Hello, and welcome to Infinite Wait, Cast. Wait, can, can I pause you? What? I just, I real. Can, can you? Uh, All right, pause. Uh, hello. Sorry, now I'm crunching. Whoa. <laughs> hello, and welcome to Infinite Cast Season 2, Inherent Vice, Part 6. Inherent Cast. Inherent Cast, Part 6. Listen, we're doing the best we can. Yes. I you think, you get it. You true. know what it is. You know. You already know. Y'all know what it is. Y'all already know. So it is. you know. Hilariously, last time we hopped on, we were like, "We're back in the saddle. We yeah. are doing this again. We are making these happen regularly." Yeah. And then, and then, and then, life gets in the way. Life, life finds a way. Yes. And sometimes the opposite. Yes. Uh, but we're we're back. If if any of you out there are, um, do not are not are into this show and are not in the in the greater chapovers. I can't imagine that's a lot of you, but still, uh, then you probably would know that uh, almost two weeks ago, our, our colleague and dear friend, Matt Chrisman, had a, uh, a, a medical emergency that yeah. has required uh, pretty much constant care from us and the rest of the Chapo verse people ever since. So this is the first time that Molly and I are getting a little hour uh, of private time to to con- consider the pension. Yeah. But we're happy to be here. But we are happy to be here. The surf highlights are on. The the book, uh, the physical book, is the first time we're reading from the physical book. Yes, I got we unpacked. That's the other thing we unpacked. I found the book. Yeah. That's exciting. We can start doing page numbers. Great. Uh, let's get into let's it. Let's get into uh, it. Uh, uh, w- with a, a slight anticipation of in case my mom calls me on the phone, I, no. I will we'll have to pause. It we back. might be a little start and stop, but that's fine. Chapter five. Shasta had mentioned a possible Laughing Academy angle to Mickey Wolfman's matrimonial drama, and Doc thought it might be interesting to see how Society Page superstar Mrs. Sloan Wolfman would react when someone brought up this topic. If Mickey was currently being held against his will in some private nuthouse, then Doc's immediate chore would be to try and find out which one. He called the number Shasta had given him, and the little woman herself picked up. The Laughing Academy. Laughing Such Academy. Such a, a good name. I know a few of y'all who belong in the Laughing Academy. Hey. Uh, I know it's awkward <laughs> to be talking business right now, Mrs. Wolfman, but unfortunately, time is a factor here. This wouldn't be another creditor inquiry, would it? There's been an astonishing number already. I'm referring them to our attorney. Do you have his number? <laughs> Some kind of English smoker's voice, it seemed to Doc, at the low end of the register, and unspecifiably decadent. Actually, it's our firm who owe your husband some money. As we're talking in the mid-six figures, we felt we should bring it to your attention. He waited half a sub-vocalized bar of The Great Pretender. Mrs. Wolfman? I may have a few minutes free around noon, she said. (laughs) Whom did you say you represented? Modern Institute for Cognitive Repatterning and Overhaul, Doc said. Micro for short. We're a private clinic out near Hacienda Heights, specializing in the repair of stressed personalities. Ordinarily, I review all of Michael's larger disbursements, and I must confess, Mr. Sportello, that I'm unfamiliar with any dealings he might have had with you. Doc's nose had begun to run, a sure sign that he was onto something here. Perhaps, given the sum in question, it might be easier, after all, to work through your attorney. It took her a tenth of a second to calculate how much of a shark bite out of the surfboard that might involve. Not at all, Mr. Sportello. Perhaps it's only a voice, but you may consider me officially intrigued. <laughs> In a former ensuite broom closet at the office, Doc had assembled a collection of disguises. He decided today on a double-breasted velour suit from Zeidler and Zeidler and found a short-haired wig that almost matched the suit. 
He considered a glue-on mustache, but figured simpler would be better, switched his sandals for standard-issue loafers, and put on a tie narrower and less colorful than currently fashionable, (laughs) hoping Mrs. Wolfman would read this as pathetically unhip. Looking in the mirror, he almost recognized himself. Groovy. He considered lighting a joint, but resisted the impulse. At the print shop down the street, his friend Jake, used to rush orders, ran him off a couple of three bi- a couple three business cards with the legend Micro, reconfiguring Southland Brain since 1966. <laughs> Larry Sportello, licensed associate, which was true enough long as you meant a California driver's license. <laughs> On the coast highway... I, I, of course, I am licensed. I'm licensed. Licensed in what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, over the on the coast highway, about halfway to the Wolfman residence, the Bonzo Dog Band cover of Bang Bang came on from KRLA in Pasadena, and Doc cranked up the Vibrasonic. As he moved in, up into the hills, the reception began to fade, so he drove slower, but eventually lost the signal. Before long, he found himself on a sunny street somewhere in the Santa Monica Mountains, parked near a house with high stucco walls, over which flowers of some exotic creeper poured in a flame-colored cascade. Doc thought he spotted somebody looking down at him from one of the openings of a mission-style loggia. Loggia? I literally just looked at it. Loggia? Running the length of the top floor. Heat of some kind. A sniper, no doubt, though federal or local. Who knew? (laughs) A presentable young Chicana in jeans and an old SC sweatshirt answered the door and checked him out with dramatically made-up eyes. She's hanging by the pool with all the police in them. Come on upstairs. Hi, Will. We're We're, just uh, podcasting. podcasting. (laughs) <laughs> uh, this is uh, Infinite Cast, but we have finished reading Infinite Jest, so we are now reading Inherent Vice. Will, yes. do you have any pension opinions? <laughs> uh, his name sure are wacky. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like, well, yeah, what's up with him? I, re- I read his books, and I'm like, what's going on here? Two, <laughs> two questions. What is he smoking, and where can I get some? Ayo. We've been talking you, about how this reading this book is making us nostalgic for uh, the, the old school brands of weed when it was all called like Maui Wowie and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll probably be doing this for another, I don't know, like 30 minutes. And then I'll, I'll give you a shout and then we can watch some football. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, she's hanging by the pool with all the police in them. Come on upstairs. It was a reverse floor plan with bedrooms on the entrance level and then upstairs the kitchen, maybe more than one, and various entertainment areas. The house should have been full of law enforcement. Except, instead, the boys from Protect and Serve had set up a command post at the pool cabana somewhere out and back, like getting in some last-minute free catering before their federal overlords showed up. <laughs> Sounds of distant splashing, rock and roll radio, eating between meals, some kidnapping. Oh, oh so, some kidnapping. As if auditioning for widowhood, Sloan Wolfman strolled in from poolside, wearing black spike-heeled sandals, a headband with a sheer black veil, and a black bikini of negligible size made of the same material as the veil. (laughs) She wasn't exactly an English rose, maybe more like an English daffodil. Very pale, blonde, reedy, probably bruised easily, overdid (laughs) her eye makeup like everybody else. Miniskirts were invented for young women like her. In the time it took her to lead him through a dim, sunken interior full of taupe carpeting, suede upholstery, and teak, which seemed to extend indefinitely in the direction of Pasadena, Doc learned that she had a degree from the London School of Economics, had recently begun studying tantric yoga, and had met Mickey Wolfman originally in Las Vegas. She waved at a picture on the wall, which looked like a blow-up of an 8x10 glossy from the lobby area of some nightclub. Why goodness, said Doc, it's you, isn't it? Sloan made with a half-frown, half-smirk Doc had noticed among minor uh, and ex-showbiz people trying to be modest. My lurid youth. 
I was one of those notorious Vegas showgirls working at one of the casinos. Up on stage in those days, with the lights, the eyelashes, all the makeup, we did look fairly much alike, but Michael, something of a connoisseur in these matters, as I was later to learn, said that he picked me out of the minute I walked on, and after that I was really the only one he could see. Romantic, isn't it? Yes, certainly unexpected. Next thing either of us knew, we were down at the little church of the West, and I had this on my finger, <laughs> flashing a gigantic marquise-cut diamond up in the double digits someplace with respect to carrots. She had told the story hundreds of times, but that was all right. Handsome stone, Doc said. Like an actress hitting her mark, she had come to a pause beneath a looming portrait of Mickey Wolfman, shown with a distant stare, as if scanning the L.A. basin to its furthest horizons for buildable lots. <laughs> she whirled to face Doc and smiled sociably. Here we are, then. Doc noticed a sort of fake chiseled stone frieze above the portrait, which read, Once you get that first stake driven, nobody can stop you. Robert Moses. <laughs> A great American and Michael's inspiration, said Sloan. That's always been his motto. I thought Dr. Van Helsing said that. <laughs> She'd found and stopped exactly inside a flattering convergence of lights that made her look like some contract star of the grand studio era, about to let loose with an emotional speech at some less expensive actor. Doc tried not to glance around too, obviously, to see where the light was coming from, but she noticed the flicker off his eyeballs. Do you like the lighting? Jimmy, Hong, uh, Jimmy Wong Howe did it for us years ago. The DP on Body and Soul, wasn't he? Not to mention They Made Me a Criminal, Dust Be My Destiny, Saturday's Children. Those, quizzically, are all John Garfield movies? <laughs> well, yes. Jimmy did film other actors. I'm sure he did. Oh, and Out of the Fog, too, where John Garfield is this evil gangster. Actually, what I find memorable about that picture is the way Jimmy lit Ida Lupino, which, now I think of it, had a lot to do with selling me on this house. Jimmy was certainly fond enough of specular highlights, all that prize fighter sweat and chrome and jewellery and sequins and so forth, but his work also had such a spiritual quality. You look at Ida Lupino and her close-ups, those eyes, and instead of hard-edged lamp reflections, there's this glow, this purity, almost as if it's coming from inside, Excuse me, is that what I think it is? <laughs> can we, wait, can we pause? Okay, yes. Okay, we're back again. Back. Sorry. Yes. Apologize. All right. Uh, we were in the middle of uh, the way uh, Jimmy Wong Howe lit Ida Lupino. Mm -hmm. uh, excuse me, is that what I think it is? Darn, it's that Ida Lupino. Every time her name comes up, so does this. Please don't take it personally. Uh... <laughs> How curious. I can't recall ever feeling that way about John Garfield. But as, as, as I have a meditation appointment at one, we might find time for drinks if we guzzle them down fast enough. And perhaps you can even tell me what you're doing here. Lose! The young lady who'd let him in appeared from the artfully sculpted shadows. Senora? The midday refrescos now, if you wouldn't mind, Luz. <laughs> I do hope, Mr. Sportello, that margaritas will be satisfactory. Though, given your film preferences, perhaps some sort of beer and whiskey arrangement would be more appropriate. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Wolfman. Tequila's just fine. And what a welcome relief not to be offered any pot. I'll never understand what these hippies see in this stuff. Do you mind if I smoke a normal cigarette, by the way? She nodded graciously, and Doc fished out a pack of Benson and Hedges menthol he'd remembered to bring instead of Cools, given the expected class level here and so forth, and offered her one, and they both lit up. Sounds reached them, then, 
Uh, sounds reach them from a pool whose dimensions you could only imagine of policemen at play. <laughs> I'll try to keep this brief and you can return to your guests. Your husband was planning to endow a new wing for us as part of our expansion program, and shortly before his puzzling disappearance, he actually had tendered us a sum in advance. But somehow it just didn't seem right to keep the money while so little is known of his whereabouts. So we'd like to refund you the sum, preferably for the, before the end of the quarter. And if, and as we all pray when, Mr. Wolfman is next heard from, why then perhaps the process can resume? She was squinting and shaking her head a little. I'm not sure... We've recently endowed another facility in Ojai, I believe. Are you somehow a subsidiary or... Perhaps it's one of our sister sanatoria. There's been a program for some years. She had stepped over to a small antique desk in the corner, bent so as to present to Doc's gaze an unquestionably alluring ass, and took <laughs> some time rummaging through different pigeonholes before coming up with another publicity shot of herself. This was a photo of a groundbreaking ceremony, with Sloane sitting at the controls of a front-end loader and backhoe rig in whose bucket could be seen one of those oversized checks that also get handed to winners of bowling tournaments. A personage in a doctor outfit was smiling and pretending to look at the amount, which ran to a lot of zeros, but he was really gazing up Sloane's skirt, which was fashionably short. She was also wearing shades, almost as if she didn't want to be recognized, and an expression conveying how much she didn't want to be there. A banner behind her carried a date and the name of the institution, though both were just out of focus long enough, uh, just out of focus enough that Doc couldn't get much more than an impression of a long, foreign-looking word. He was wondering how suspicious it would make Sloane if he asked the name when Luz came back with a tray holding a gigantic pitcher full of margaritas and some chilled glasses of an exotic shape whose only purpose it was to make it impossible for the servants to wash them without the help of some high-ticket custom dish mop. <laughs> Thank you, Luz. Shall I be mother? Taking the pitcher and pouring. Doc noticed there was an extra glass on the tray, so it wasn't too much of a surprise when presently he saw, reflected in the screen of a mammoth TV in the corner, a large, muscular, blonde person coming silently down the stairs and moving to them across the carpeting like an assassin in a kung fu movie. Doc got up to have a look and say howdy, quickly noting that any prolonged eye contact here would mean a visit to the chiropractor for neck work, this party having three feet of altitude on him easy. This is Mr. Riggs Warbling, said Sloane, my spiritual coach. Doc didn't see them actually exchanging glances, at fr as Frank might put it, but if acid tripping was good for anything, it helped tune you to different unlisted frequencies. <laughs> no doubt these two had, had actually sat now and then on adjoining meditation mats, pretending to, the, to empty their heads just for anybody that might be nearby, lose the heat himself, but Doc would bet an ounce of seedless Hawaiian and throw in a pack of zigzags that Sloan and old rigs here were also fucking regularly, and that this was the BF Shasta had mentioned. Sloan poured Riggs a drink and angled the pitcher inquiringly in Doc's direction. Thanks, got to be back in the office. Maybe you can tell us where to send this refund and what form you'd like it in? Small bills, <laughs> boomed Riggs amiably, with non-consecutive serial numbers. Riggs, Riggs. Sloane, not as grimly as might be expected, giving the possibility, still open, that her husband had been kidnapped, always making with the tasteless jokes. Perhaps if one of your company officers simply endorsed Michael's check back to one of his bank accounts? Of course. Let us know the account number, and it's as good as in the mail. I'll just go pop in the office for a moment, then. 
Riggs Warbling had appropriated the margarita jug, which he was taking sips from, without going through the exercise of pouring anything into a glass. <laughs> With no warning, he blurted, I'm into zones. Beg pardon? I'm a contractor. I design and build zones. That's short for zonohedral domes. Greatest advance in structure since Bucky Fuller. Here, let me show you. He had brought out from somewhere a pad of quadril paper and begun sketching on it using numbers and symbols, which might have been Greek. And pretty soon he was going on and on about vector spaces and symmetry groups. Doc grew convinced of unwelcome developments inside his brain, though the diagrams were kind of hip looking. (laughs) Zooms make great meditation spaces, Riggs went on. Do you know some people have actually walked into Zooms and not come back out the same way they went in? And sometimes not at all. Like, <laughs> zooms are portals to someplace else, especially if they're located out in the desert, which is where I've been for most of last year. I'm really digging your Riggs voice. Thanks. Uh huh. <laughs> You've been working for Mickey Wolfman? At Arapentimiento. Uh, That's a long dream project of his near Las Vegas. Maybe you saw the piece on it in Architectural Digest? Missed it. Actually, the only magazine Doc read with any regularity was Naked Teen Nymphos, which he subscribed to, or at least used to, till he began to find the few copies that made it to his mailbox opened already and with pages stuck together. But he decided not to mention this. Sloan came uh, sashaying back over, holding a slip of paper. The only number I can find at the moment is for a joint account at one of Michael's SNLs. I hope that won't present a problem for your people. Here's a blank deposit form, if that's any help. Doc stood and Sloane stayed where she was, which was close enough for her to be seized and violated, a thought which unavoidably crossed Doc's mind, taking its time, in fact, and more than once looking back and winking. Who knows what lurid acts might have followed had Luz not reappeared and flashed him, unless he was hallucinating from tequila, a warning look. Luz, could you please see Mr. Sportello out? Downstairs among corridors leading off to some unknown number of bedroom suites, Doc, as if just remembering he had to piss, said, Mind if I use a bathroom? Sure, long as you don't steal anything. <laughs> oh dear, I hope that doesn't mean any of those policemen out by the pool have been reverting to type. Um, that is to say... She wagged a finger no and, glancing quickly around as if the house might be bugged, crooked her arm and flexed a bicep while rolling her eyes upstairs. Riggs, it figured. Doc smiled and nodded and, for the benefit of any audience, said, Thank you, uh, muchas gracias there, Luz. I won't be but a minute. She slouched gracefully against a doorway and watched him, her eyes dark and busy. Doc located the door to a palatial bathroom and, guessing it was Mickey's, went in and then on into the adjoining bedroom. Snooping around, he came across a number of strange neckties hanging inside a walk-in closet on a rack of their (laughs) own. He switched on a light and had a look. At first glance, they seemed to be vintage hand-painted silk ties, each with an image of a different nude young woman on it. But these were not exactly vintage nudes. Erect clits, spread pussy lips with sort of highlights on them to suggest wetness, over-the-shoulder invitations to anal entry, each goosebump and pubic hair painstakingly set down in photographic detail. Doc became lost in art appreciation, having noticed something striking about the faces as well. They weren't just cartoon features taking on some catalog of fuck-me expressions. These seemed to be the faces, and he guessed the bodies, of specific women. Maybe some kind of a Mickey Wolfman girlfriend inventory. Was Shasta Faye in here by any chance? Doc began to flip through the ties one by one, trying not to sweat on anything. 
He had just come across Sloane's image, inarguably Sloane and not just some blonde, lying back among tangled sheets, arms and legs open, eyelids lowered, lips shining, an almost gentlemanly angle to Mickey's character he hadn't counted on when a hand slid around his waist from behind. Yeah! (laughs) Keep looking. I'm in there someplace, Luz said. I'm ticklish, babe. There I am. Cute, huh? Sure enough, it was Luz in full color, on her knees, gazing upward with her teeth bared and what wasn't, it seemed to Doc, an especially inviting smile. My tits aren't really that big, but it's the thought that counts. <laughs> Did you ladies all pose for these? Yep, guy over in North Hollywood, does custom work. How about that chick, what's her name? Doc trying to keep a tremor out of his voice. The one that's been missing. Oh, Shasta. Yeah, she's in there someplace. But as it turned out, strangely, she wasn't. Doc looked at the couple three ties remaining, but none of them had Shasta's picture on it. Luz was gazing over his shoulder into Mickey's bedroom. He always used to take me in the shower to fuck, she reminisced. I never got a chance to do anything on that groovy bed in there. Seems easy enough to arrange, Doc said smoothly. Maybe. At which point, wouldn't you know, came a horrible low-fidelity screech from an intercom speaker out in the hall. <laughs> Luz! Don't estas me, hijita. Shit, murmured Luz. Another time, perhaps. At the door, Doc gave her one of the fake microcards, which had his real office number on it. She slipped it in the back pocket of her jeans. You're not really a shrink, are you? you maybe not, but I do have a couch. Uh, Psychedelico essay. Passing the, fa- flashing those flame, I can't speak. Flashing those famous teeth. Doc was just getting in his car when a black and white came barreling around the corner with all its lights going and pulled up next to him. A window on the shotgun side came cranking down and Bigfoot leaned out. Wrong part of town for scoring weed, isn't it, Sportello? What? You mean my mind's been wandering again? The cop driving killed the motor and they both got out and approached Doc. Unless Bigfoot had been demoted in some strange piece of LAPD disrespect Doc knew he'd never begin to understand, this other cop could in no way have been Bigfoot's partner, though he might be a close relative. They both had the same smooth and evil look. (laughs) This party now raised his eyebrows at Doc. Mind if we have a look through that attractive purse, sir? Nothing but my lunch, Doc assured them. Oh, we'll see you get your lunch. (laughs) Now, now, Sportello's only doing his job, Bigfoot pretended to soothe the other cop, trying to figure out what happened to Mickey Wolfman, just like the rest of us. Anything so far you'd like to share on that, Sportello? Who's, beg beg pardon, how's the missus doing? That's one brave little lady, Doc, (laughs) nodding sincerely. He thought about getting into what Pat Dubonnet had told him about Bigfoot and Mickey being ace buddies, but there was something about the way this other cop was listening to them. Way too attentive, maybe even if you wanted to be paranoid about it, as if you were undercover, reporting to some other level inside the LAPD. His real job, basically, to keep an eye on Bigfoot. Too much to think about. (laughs) Doc deployed his most feckless doper's grin. There's law enforcement in there, guys, but nobody introduced me. Could even be the Federales, for all I knew. I love it when a case goes all to hell, remarked Bigfoot with a sunny smile. Don't you, Lester? Doesn't it just remind you why we're all here? Cheer up, compadre, said Lester, returning to the car. Our day will come. Off they sped, hitting the siren just to be cute. Doc got in his car and sat staring at the Wolfman residence. Something had been puzzling him now for a while. Namely, what exactly was with Bigfoot here, riding around in these black and whites all the time? 
far as Doc knew, detectives in suits and ties rode in unmarked sedans, usually two at a time, and uniformed officers did the same. But he couldn't recall ever seeing Bigfoot out on the job with another detective. Oh, wait a minute. Out of the permanent smog alert he liked to think of as his memory, something began to emerge. A rumor, likely by way of Pat Dubonnet, about a partner of Bigfoot's who'd been shot and killed a while back in the line of duty. And ever since then, so the story went, Bigfoot had worked alone. No replacements either asked for or assigned. If this meant Bigfoot was still in some kind of cop mourning, he and the dead guy must have been unusually close. This bond between partners was nearly the only thing Doc had ever found to admire about the LAPD. For all the department's long, sorrowful history of corruption and abuse of power, here was at last something they had not sold but kept for themselves, forged in the dangerous life-and-death uncertainties of one working day after another, something real that had to be respected. No faking it, no question of buying it with favors, money, promotions. The entire range of capitalist inducement couldn't get you five seconds of attention to your back when it really counted. You had to go out there and earn it by putting your pitiful ass on the line again and again. Without knowing any details of the history Bigfoot and his late partner had been through together, Doc would still bet the contents of his stash for the next year that Bigfoot, if improbably, asked to generate a list of people he loved, would have put this guy up near the top. Meaning what, however? Was Doc about to start offering Bigfoot free advice here? No, no, no. Bad idea, Doc warned himself. Bad idea. Just let the man deal with his grief, or whatever it is, without your help, okay? Sure, Doc answered himself. Cool with me, man. <laughs> and that's chapter five. Great. Feel good? Yes. See, the thing is, is that Doc and Bigfoot are partners. They are partners. They're, they're, they're shadow they're, they're selves shadow of each selves, other. Yes. Uh, and that's what I think this book is about. Yeah. Um, well, what do you think of um, Sloane? Sloane. I love her. I like that you do her a little bit like uh, Lisa Vanderpump. That's what I'm trying. Lisa Vanderpump or, um, as we so recently watched, Elizabeth Hurley in um, Austin Powers. Austin Powers. Oh, oh, oh Austin. Austin. <laughs> oh, come on, Austin. Oh, Austin. Stop trying to rape me, Austin. <laughs> I don't want to shag Austin. <laughs> I don't want to shag on the company plane, Austin. For the thousandth time, I don't want to shag. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, yes. Me too by Austin Powers. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Austin Powers, me, me too arc. I hate to I hate to try to do it because I feel like we skipped a week and honestly, the smog bank of, of my memory is a little foggy after all the things. Oh, that are you going to try to recap everything? Do you want to you collab? Yes. Doc, at home, stoned. Gordita Beach. Gordita Beach. Shasta comes in and is like, this guy I've been smashing, Mickey Wolfman, there's a plot on his life. Yeah, to from, put him in, in the to laugh, put him in the loony the, bin. In the laugh the laugh, factory. The laugh uh, academy. The laughing academy. <laughs> the laughing academy. Uh he he's gone missing. He and uh we don't know what's up. And he's like, all right, bet. Um then she disappears. Uh he gets a call from Tari Khalil. Yeah. Glenn uh Sherlock, his uh, old uh white supremacist ally in the in the pen, uh owes him something and he needs to collect on a debt. Uh, he's also Mickey Wolfman's bodyguard. So two for one special. Uh, Doc goes to Channel View Estates where uh, he hopes someone is, uh, gets uh, knocked over the head at uh, while he's reading about the Pussy Eater special at the massage parlor, wakes up to uh, Glenn Charlock dead, Bigfoot suspecting him of his murder, getting interrogation, getting uh, loosened yeah. by his lawyer, quickly propositioned by Bigfoot to uh, maybe become yeah, an undercover cop, yeah. uh, goes home. Uh, Tariq is like, oh my God, this wasn't me. Sorry, fuck. Uh, then he gets another call from um, 
the ex heroin addict uh, who was with um, the surf rock man. Yes. Her name is Hope Harlingen. Uh, his name is Coy Harlingen. He's also missing. He's missing too. And she knows Shasta all, as well. Yes. Everyone seems to know Shasta. In this uh, he goes over there, gets the download, and she doesn't think that he actually died of an overdose. Mm -hmm. uh, there, he's, there's been rumors of his sightings. Because he's a surf rocker, then uh, Doc goes to his cousin or like some other distant family member who's in a surf rock band and asks him about him and doesn't yes. really get any... Beer. Uh, beer. The band called Beer. Doesn't really get any info. Um, uh, follows up with his former boss uh, at the collections in, uh, company. Um, where he's got a yeah. now a computer. Uh, and, yes, and he's, he's, now, he's that way. now uh, working with ARPANET. But also get, gets the tip. He calls the police officer who told Hope Harlingen that Coy had died. Yes. Uh, who though also an enemy, a natural enemy of Doc is also he also fucking hates. Bigfoot. Yes. He's the Gordita Beach police chief. Oh, yes. And asks for any information about that. Starts getting some tingles about like Bigfoot might have some weird stuff going on. Maybe his closer buddies with Mickey. Yes. Uh, also gets these cases so that he can immediately turn them into uh, TV or movies. Yes. Uh, then at this point realizes that he needs to go to the source. So he goes to Wolfman's wife, Sloane. Sloane. Uh, did I, am I missing anything? I think that's basically it. All right. Yeah. And then uh, at the yeah at this point Shasta is gone. Slig, Sloan and Rig. Uh yeah. Ri fuck something R Riggs. Yeah. R Riggs Turlingen. No, that's not it. Um. And he's trying to get the information specifically on this like uh loony bin that um yes. maybe maybe a loony bin that they might have sent him. They're trying. Yes. He's trying to circulate and then weirdly the not weirdly but uh cops are already flooded in their ha into their house and are like hanging out yes. and it's unclear like what they're doing or why i do like that this seems to touch on like every single aspect of potential like um of of like 60s and 70s uh like eye eyebrow raising uh looniness like uh, him posing as this as a guy from like a consciousness expanding yeah, institute, yes, and her doing like tantric yoga and stuff like that. It, it, the the arpanet that it's like really he he's not he's not picking his shots here. He's trying to get every single thing, every single woo woo element of so southern California sixties culture covered yeah. in this. I build zooms. Zoom. Oh, I looked it up. Uh, you can still go to zooms dot com and buy and get a zoom. A zoom is a real thing. It is Can like, we get one? I mean, they they look kind of cool. You know, some people have come look in zooms and haven't come out the same way. Whoa. It is like a buckyball, but it's <gasps> like kind of teardrop, teardrop shaped. It's kind of a, the, a combination between a, uh, a Buckminster Fuller geodesic dome and a yurt. I had a, um, a period in college where I got really obsessed with the whole earth catalog. Do you know what, what that is? The, oh, it's fucking groovy. Yeah, you can have a music festival in there. Yeah. Small. Uh, I got really obsessed with the whole Earth catalog, and yes. that that had something to do like that was adjacent to the Buckminster Fuller uh, mm -hmm. dome thing, and uh, got really into the concept of like kind of Californian utopian uh, living, yeah, where it was all about like going going back to basics and you know having your own like tools for things and do kind of like co not cottage core but desert core. We could get a hanging zone <gasps> for our yard, yeah, a, a hanging zone couch, uh, yeah. The the 
a, a return to basics uh, style of living. Yeah. Not, you know, not outsourcing all the things that you need to do to, yes. uh, to live. Yeah. Which, who knows, in the, What's in the, the climate change zone, that might be where we have to return to. Well, well I do feel like this, there is this, like, con- contradictory impulse of this, of this time and also modernity <laughs> in general. But of the times that we talked about in this book where it's both, like, return to simplicity, but also, like, we are living in the future we've always dreamed of. Yes. You know? Yeah. And that is like the zone, the, the, you know, the same thing that, that I'm sure that the, 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 the Sloan and Riggs type of person would be on, which is probably like natural eating while also being macrobiotic. like macrobiotics while also being like, oh, I'm going to live in like a, a, a dome like future house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the zone industry. Plus, plus change. That's the, that's yeah. the modern day wellness too, is like a combination of like really high tech, like you know, smart, smart devices. Yes. But then also like eating, you know, yeah. wheat germ again. Yeah. Where every single day, every, every day there's a new diet. That's like, actually, if you just eat X, Y, Z one thing, then you will have the perfect diet. It's amazing yeah. that we, we keep trying that. Yes. Um, uh, I could go for a margarita, honestly. A big pitcher of margarita and over elaborately, uh, elaborate, oh, yeah. uh, pitcher. Yeah. With those, gla- I, those glasses, like the blue rimmed, like yes. margarita glasses. Oh yes. Glasses. Oh God. Yeah. Or I'm also thinking of like the fo- the fogged glass green yeah glasses of like the early 70s. It's good. It's a good time. Yeah, I'm trying to remember my first margarita. Uh, James Wong Howe had a 50 year career. Whoa! So he was he was, a, shooting was he a cinematographer? Yes, he was a Chinese cine- Chinese American cinematographer. Um, they talk Will, who we just you just heard on earlier this episode, talked about him a bit because he shot Sweet Smell of Success. Okay. Which they did on Movie Mindset Season 1. And apparently one of his things was uh, during World War II, he would walk around Hollywood with a uh, an armband on that said, I'm Chinese, so people wouldn't be racist against him for being Japanese. Incredible. Uh, but yeah, uh, a a real trailblazer who worked from like 1922 to 1974. 130 films. Yeah. Like one, one of those. One of the first to use deep focus cinematography. Yeah. Uh, won, won an Academy Award. But that is a good idea of getting a cinematographer to light your house. Yeah. I mean, yes. hell. Yes. Also, I, d- did he pop a bo- What I understand, uh, uh, he, he popped a boner thinking about Ida Lupino. <laughs> is, that, is that what was I think that I think there? that was what it was implied was an erection. Yeah. Uh, but it also sounded like the, the subtext of that was like them kind of like getting, you yeah. know, flirty, little it's, flirty. It's a it's a good joke that he's, he he uh, describes that this is a cinematographer lighted house and but but goes out of his ways not to describe the light, but the tasteful shadows. <laughs> <laughs> that is a cinematographer's eyes for uh, for lighting. It's not so much. It, you look, it's like jazz. It's about the it's about the uh, objects that you don't light. It's about it's about as much about the shadows as it is about the lighting. Ida, Ida Lupino. I don't, know, I, I don't know much. Do you think Ida Lupino is a babe? What, what, what do you think? Raider? One I mean, ten. she's she's good. She's good looking in a in a. Would you call her a, a handsome way. lady? Yeah, she's 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 a. Wow. Sorry, I'm just. Yeah, even I'm sorry. Just going back to your thinking of just sneaking every bit of um, like L.A. culture in yeah. there, like even just like you know movies. movies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The. Uh, at any time in, in life, just like jawing over uh, f- filmographies. Film, uh, filmographies. Uh, Podcasting, essentially. Kind of. I mean, of. yes, all, all conversations and human interactions in the modern world eventually become to be about movies. 
Yes. Movies yes. and advice. Movies and advice. The two things that you that you most need. A movie advice podcast. A movie advice podcast. What, which, what, should, which I movie, watch? <laughs> what should I watch? Honestly, that is, yeah. having a, a call-in show that's just like people, you know, the way we sometimes on, a, on certain nights will just be like, we want something that's like action adventure, but like not, you know, not too zany. Yes. A little bit romantic, but we've already seen uh, yeah. XYZ. And then you just, start, Google is completely broken. Yes. So. What if there was a call-in show? Well, that's what, like, if if Will ever did, like, Stavi's podcast, Mm -hmm. he should be like, Stav would give the advice, and then Will should be like, and you should watch this movie, (laughs) which is related to your problem. Yeah. Um, Yes. The movie prescription. The movie prescription. Dr. Movies. Dr. What uh, what else is going on in this uh, segment? I like like Sloane's outfit that she's wearing a black veil and, and a black bikini. Yes. Uh, that's cute. That's very tasteful. Yeah. Um, the morning bikini. The, mor- the morning bikini. Uh, what's going on with these scarves? What? Oh, the, the, the like necktie yeah. type of things? Yeah. And, and apparently we're, we're getting and more. is missing. But yeah. And we're getting more information that Mickey Wolfman apparently uh, stoops uh, basically every female in his life. Bit of a bit of a womanizer. And then get some commemorated on on custom made. Silk painting. Hand painted like, silk ex- cravats. Not, er- not erotic, but pornographic yeah yeah <laughs> like an erotic tie would be a tasteful nude this is uh this is like anatomical hey th- think of uh think of the time period it was uh uh i'm sure a well a well-crafted uh painted nude tie would uh really get your rocks off yes uh, in the absence of you know just no, it was uh, remind- pornhub.com yeah it was reminding me of like uh, you know 70s like black light posters mm. like an erotic black light poster yeah but a tie <laughs> what, what function would you wear this to? Uh, the the, the yes. AVN Awards. It's a little early for that. Yes. What, when did the AVN Awards start? I'm going to guess Late the 70s, 80s. Early 80s. Yeah. Uh, when did Foster Wallace write Big Red Sun? 90s? The early 2000s? Really? Yeah. Uh, it w- the internet qu- hadn't quite hit. It might have been the late, late I 90s. Think it was early the 90s. 2000s. Yeah. Sorry. I, I always think of that uh, that essay to go back to David Foster Wallace as kind of like the uh, he, it's David Foster Wallace is doing the uh, the they don't know I, it's like the guy at the party meme is being like they don't know I'm I'm a pr- I'm analyzing their industry their industry with a, a eye of existential despair and, and everybody else is like porn stars around him being like yeah we do dude. yes we do you uh, are the weird you are the weird guy sitting on the couch alone at the pornography awards <laughs> Oh God! Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's it's too bad. I do still feel like that that realm of journalism has fallen off, which is yeah. giving like a big big time novelist uh, some kind of uh, incongruous event to cover. Yeah. Whether it be the 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 main lobster festival or the Avian yeah. Awards or. Well, I mean, they the did that with trail. Laura with Laura Euler. We had her on to talk about the and that was a really fun thing. But a throwback I honest, that was awesome. Yeah, it was good. I really liked that piece a lot. But honestly, it seemed like. The only difficulty is that it was billed as the Goop Cruise, and there just wasn't enough goop there. Uh, you know that 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 just to really get the 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 kind of juice that you would need for a you know a, a supposedly fun thing style essay. Yeah. Also, that like it, most of the people who were there were journalists. Yes. Uh, it's yeah, kind of like a supposedly fun thing if like everyone was there to write their own supposedly fun yeah, thing. I'm, I'm trying to think of like what kind of experience has not been covered because he DFW also did a state fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, where could you send a guy for that? I think I feel like 
tech conference would yeah. be good for that. I mean, like the NFT. Yeah, the, the NFT, NFT thing, awards. Which I thought I was trying to do a little bit of Gonzo. Yeah, when, when I, you went to that NFT concert at Brooklyn Mirage. Yeah, I went to uh, so, uh it was a company that was supposed to um, really. It was yeah. NFTs based on like. Uh, Oh, I'm I'm not going to be able to pull up the language, but something about like the, the unique sonic moment in which a, a, a song was finally mastered. Oh yes, uh, the, and that you get the rights to that, like the the, you, yeah, the you, instant they, they somehow turned time into crypto. I don't. They turned music into time into crypto, uh, into money, uh, and it you, seems yeah. horrible. But the crazy thing is that I went there expecting it to be a branded experience and like it barely was. Yeah. There was like one QR code in one area to scan. And other than that, it was just a bunch of 22-year-old people who are obsessed with dead mouse. <laughs> so, I mean, what did I learn? Dead no. mouse. You, you, you came away a bigger dead mouse fan. That yeah. was for sure. I took, well, the other, the weird thing about going to that was that I talked to a bunch of people and I was doing a bit where I was like, are you here for the NFTs? Are you here for dead mouse? And everyone was there for Dead Mouse, but also like everyone there was really smart and had interesting things to say about technology. Nice. I met a guy who created an AI like metal band that was doing a 24 hour constant YouTube stream. Had it become racist yet? No, because it, it was mute. Well, I was about to say it didn't I have any. Like, it didn't have any words. Oh, okay. I feel like in the beginning of the those AI like when doing like the AI Seinfeld or whatever. Uh, <laughs> that the the bit was that it, oh, it was only a matter of time before the the AI became racist or transphobic. What, or what is the deal with this ethnic group? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah. God, uh, I wish I wish uh, Pinchon would uh get into like crypto as the next yes. uh, field of of uh. Yeah, I feel like the, the modern te tech uh has would have more interesting. I like. I basically would like to to read Pinchon's uh um. S the social network yes uh something like that yeah uh anyway we'll try to be back next week we're going yeah. to a wedding <laughs> so we have to travel again um maybe we'll do another before yeah. before we go or maybe we'll podcast on yeah. the plane and just ruin everyone's day oh my god would that, that be funny it would be very rude it would be so rude they should have a podcaster zone on the plane but you know what i'm tired of being polite <laughs> <laughs> start to get rude <laughs> All right. It's, it's time to stop being polite and start getting rude. I think it's um I think it's time to watch football with Will. I love it. It's time for me to eat a leftover burrito, which seems kind of Doc Sportello-y. Yeah, that does way. sound good. Yeah. Mm, Gordita, Gordita mm. Beach. Uh we'll try to be back next next week. Um and for all those wondering, Matt is doing a little better. Yeah. A little better every day. A little better every day. See you at the Laughing Academy. See you at the Laughing Academy. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>